This is the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, Episode 5. We are talking to artist Tom Polo. Hello and welcome to the Mornington Peninsula Regional Galleries Conversation Series, a podcast for people curious about art and the lives of artists. In this episode, Senior Curator Danny Lacey talks to artist Tom Polo about his site-specific work featuring the MPRG collection, These Things Tell Me More About You. Tom talks about his experience of researching the MPRG collection, winning the Brett Whiteley Travelling Art Scholarship, and how working in public demystifies the artist's process. Thanks for joining us today, Tom. Thanks for having me. First of all, can you talk a bit about your paintings when and how you first started making work, and were you creative as a child growing up? So I've been practising for almost a decade now, which is kind of weird to say, but I went to the College of Fine Arts, which is now the UNSW Art and Design in Sydney, and I studied a Bachelor of Fine Arts and then continued on to do my postgrad. And I guess I've always engaged in painting specifically, but I've also used painting as an extension into other things or sort of a grounding into other things, be them sort of site-specific as it is for this project here at Mornington Peninsula. But within that, I'm thinking about how we define portraiture in extended ways. I'm interested in the use of text and how we perform our social selves as well. And so those are the sorts of concerns that I've been exploring, I guess, on and off for the last 10 years. Mm. Your paintings play with notions of portraiture and the self, becoming figurative through the abstraction of form. How did these developments occur in your practice? I think all artists make work that is about them, regardless if it's completely explicit or not within the works. I think we're always reacting to things. There's always a line of inquiry. And so making works about people and those people around me be it sort of small encounters or people that I know about the art world, about projects specific to, you know, communities or different environments that I find myself. I'm inquisitive. I kind of always want to know more about things. So I think making images of them, be it text or be it on a billboard or a large wall painting or a really small painting that starts out of a conversation in my studio, I'm trying to unpack who we are, why we are the way we are as well. And I think they've always been there in my practice, but occasionally I'll get an opportunity to really make work that is specific to a place or a person, and that's really enjoyable. You also quite often incorporate text into your work. Where do these ideas or quotes come from? So, you know, I talk about text as always having been there in my work, Sometimes in my exhibitions, there's more figurative works than text works, but occasionally the text will be actually hidden within the figurative components, be them in like a pattern or in a background and painted over and obscured. And I kind of like that idea of something being suggestive, but not explicit. So the texts come from all sorts of places. As I mentioned, if it's something I've overheard, I've done projects in the past that use conversation that I've overheard to make a series of billboards. I have uh, used the conversations that I have with people as a starting point and trying to imagine what those texts or those conversations look like figuratively as well. And I think text is a nice way into my practice or into artists' practices because 
it seems like it's really direct, but then you can obscure things and text is almost like a veil to concepts and how we think about the world. What are some of your influences on your practice? I'm as much interested in looking at art history as I am just like looking out a car window and spotting a funny sign or a short encounter on public transport or something that is happening that has heavy weight in the world, you know, politically, culturally, that we are encountering. And then from there, trying to make sense of that through my work, I often find that the works are about me through the extension of others. And I think that's how I'm understanding my own story, I suppose, too. What does an average day in the studio look like for Tom Polo? I'm not sure I'd say there's an average day because each of those days is really quite different. But if I had to sort of sum it up, I'd probably get into the studio at about 9.30. Currently, my studio is in Sydney in Woolloomooloo at Artspace. I'm one of seven artists there. And so typically my day looks like getting in, doing some admin before, uh, reluctantly doing some admin before I get into some painting But of course, like in the lead up to an exhibition, it's a lot of admin, just getting ready for things to go places, shipping work off, ordering bubble wrap, paying bills, ordering paint, organizing canvases, freight, all sorts of things. So like there's no sort of typical day, but if I had the choice, yeah, I'd choose to spend most of it painting. But I think people have to also understand that you are occasionally painting for like a quarter of the day and the rest of it's just sort of actively looking and engaging with what you've done or what you want to do. But also just like simple things like sitting on the computer and looking at other art and going to exhibitions that are on and going to your part-time job that also supports you to be an artist and practice and have a studio. And yeah, the day doesn't end at five o'clock either. There are also like events that you can go to. You might be going to a friend's exhibition or going to a talk or something like that. So there's always kind of really varied ways that I spend my days and weeks. Now, you won the Brett Whiteley Travelling Scholarship in 2015. What were some of the opportunities that this allowed? Yeah, so it was really great and a real privilege to be able to go to Europe as part of the Brett Whiteley Travelling Scholarship. So when you win, you get three months in Paris in the Cité Internationale d'Art, and you're supposed to then use the funds that's provided as part of the scholarship to extend that study or that research within Europe for an extra three months. So Essentially, I was away for about six and a half months. And during that time, I guess I was engaging with private and public collections that I've only ever seen online. I've been to Paris before, but briefly for a couple of days. And I suppose I really enjoyed getting an understanding of what it was like to practice in that part of the world, have a studio routine. It takes a little bit of time, of course. As artists, we like to fall into things occasionally, but sometimes it's kind of just nice to just focus. And I think having a studio for three months in a place where, you know, I don't speak the primary language was really interesting, but just engaging in what Paris had to offer through its museums and collections. And of course, using Paris as a base to go to other parts of Europe, which we know like getting across to London is just a two hour train ride or going across to Italy as well. And other amazing cities, which, you know, us in Australia, we traveled that same distance just to go from Sydney to Melbourne to Adelaide to Perth. So I kind of uh, used it as a way of really sort of looking at the things that I think are really affecting and influencing my practice. I look largely at John de Buffet's practice and the foundation that he has in France and thinking about image making and the idea of space within paintings and the way he kind of used the figure 
to construct that space and that that space is kind of like the world that is created. Everything within that canvas is all that is contained within the world. So really kind of flat imagery in his work. But yeah, just getting to go to really amazing commercial galleries as well and project spaces that I've only ever followed online, as well as engaging with other artists through open studio situations and yeah, meeting people that have both similar and different practices to me. From there, I did some research in other cities and I went to Italy and I did some professional development in London where I got to meet some really amazing people and start some great conversations. 2017 has been a busy year for you. You were a finalist in the Solomon Prize at the Art Gallery of New South Wales and also included in Primavera at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney. How do you manage your workload when there are a lot of different projects happening at once? Yeah, 2017 has been busy, but it's also kind of allowed me to really think quite widely with my practice, doing kind of very specific types of exhibitions. And also, you know, having a show down with Station Gallery, who I show with in Melbourne, and, you know, allowing me to kind of develop the results of all that research that, you know, I was thinking about when I was away in Europe. And I probably should mention too, like the greatest gift of that scholarship is just the time and the space to be working and thinking. And I guess, yeah, coming back and having a schedule that has included a few different projects has kept me busy, but I think I was recharged and refreshed from all of that looking and thinking around my own practice. And so, yeah, like it's about multitasking, but it's also making sure that you are focusing on all aspects of of day-to-day as well. And I had a friend and assistant helping me for a little bit of the time, you know, um, helping with certain tasks, but also, yeah, it's just about working long hours and making sure that everything that needs to get done does get done. Let's discuss your project at MPRG. We invited you to create a new wall-based work that in some way incorporated our collection. What is the process that you've taken with this project and can you explain some of the strategies for working with our collection in terms of research and display of the works? Yep, sure. So, I guess we've been talking for about a year and a half about this project and part of the conversation that occurred at the beginning was ways of engaging in a collection that is diverse and has a lot, you know, a real wealth of work in it as well and how someone who's an outsider that I hadn't been to Mornington before or been to the gallery, how I would engage in that collection or how, you know, where I'd find things that I'm interested in, you know, what would really stand out to me. So when I've come down in the last week, I had an idea of some of the things that were in there from, you know, our conversations, but I suppose it was really telling getting into the collection and having access to a real wealth of different types of works that were here. Not only did I know that Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery had a, a large amount of works on paper, but there's a real significant amount of fantastic paintings and some sculptural things as well, photographs too. And in my research, I wanted to think in really wide and unbiased ways, but still tapping into my own interests too. I went into the collection on the first day, really surprised by some of the things that I was seeing. Also just seeing that, you know, things have come from such a long history of of time from, you know, the late 1800s, I think, all the way to this year and last year with works acquired through, you know, National Works on Paper Prize, as well as things like the Spring Festival as well. And as well as donations from key patrons as well or donors. And I've realised too that collections are often, you know, made by one person around a particular type of interest, 
but the MPRG collection really has a lot of voices in it. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because it really tells a story or it creates a portrait of this place over a period of time. We've seen some real contemporary examples of people working in sort of universal themes, looking at portraiture and the landscape and the human condition and sort of things that exist in all collections. But it's nice to notice the things that are really specific to Mornington as well. And, you know, I've tried to include a few of them within my work. And moving forward, I think it's only one person's take on a collection. And I kind of like that I've been able to come in with that privilege to do that. But I'd be also interested to see how other people would respond to the collection too. So, you know, there's been a process of taking works that are unframed and framing them for the exhibition, as well as um, hanging, you know, a real kind of wide variety of works by people like John Brack. And so nice to learn that there's a work in this collection that is a study for a painting that's in the Tarawara collection as well. So knowing kind of the histories of where they exist locally and externally as well. Uh, to works by people that I really love, such as Jenny Watson and Sidney Nolan, Brent Harris as well, a fantastic photograph by Anza Halka as well, Charles Blackman. Mm. I think one of the fascinating things is the diversity in the works that you've chosen. They range across whole different styles and eras. I guess when we initially touched base about this project, I sent you a few images of Harold Vike's work, interested to hear a little bit more about the works that you included of his and also Dorothy Braund as well. You've included one of her watercolours. Yeah, so uh, I wasn't aware of Harold's work and so it was really nice to see those when you sent a couple of images to me, but then also seeing them firsthand was really special because uh, for an artist that I didn't know before, it was nice to really appreciate what he was doing in his work. And the gallery has a really nice collection of them too. So there were two that I've included in the exhibition and they're quite diverse works. One is slightly more abstract and the other is suggestive of uh, landscape and two figures within that landscape with the words primitive island underneath. And they're quite lyrical, they're immediate and impulsive and that's their qualities that I really like in works, particularly works on paper as well. And he uses colour quite nicely. So thinking about new discoveries and kind of me finding my way through the collection, I thought he was a really nice example of that, as well as Dorothy's work as well. And importantly, the conversations that I've been having with all the staff and the volunteers and the guides here has been fantastic because it's been really informative as a way of helping me to shape what I've thought and included within the hang as well. So with Dorothy's work, it was really nice to find out that she actually curated an exhibition herself here at Mornington in what was called the Access Gallery at the time. And so knowing that she curated a show of or put together a show of the collection and then I've done the same thing and included her work was a really nice link. And yeah, there are kind of other links within the exhibition, but that was a really special one to emphasise. The Elizabeth Purely works were a nice find as well. Yeah, so uh, I know Elizabeth and her practice in Sydney. She's a Sydney-based artist working in really uh, diverse ways as well. You would have seen her work earlier in the year in the National at the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney. And she uh, has long been working in what she described in her artist statement under the banner of decoration. And I kind of like that she's quite emphatic about that and the flatness in her work. So the work that we've included is called Gouache Flowers from 1999 and it was acquired through the Spring Festival. And... 
coming across these little gems. They're these small 13 by 18 centimeter works on paper and there are 12 of them. And through a conversation with her, we've kind of decided to hang it in a slightly different way to how it was first hung. And what I really like about that is it talks about artists and the fluidity of their practices and how these conversations are never limited and that we can keep sort of changing and recontextualizing things and talking about how, yeah, ideas can change over time and contexts really drive things. And I feel that that's a really good thing. It's really exciting to see artworks from the MPRG collection activated in a completely new way by being set amongst your wall painting. You've said that this work is a portrait of the collection and tells the stories of the people and the history of the gallery. Can you talk a little bit more about this and maybe about the wall painting itself? Sure. So when I create these wall paintings or in other situations when I've done these wall paintings, I've never planned them. And in this instance, it's the same thing. I always like to be process led in my studio. So I kind of think about creating this work over the last eight days, I suppose, as being the same. One thing leads to the next and one thing influences the other. So just like in my paintings, a mark or a gesture or a color leads to the next one. I've used the works that I've selected from the collection to do the same thing. So it might be reflecting on the context of one work, which then might inform a text that sort of sits underneath that work that I've created. But it also brings to mind like certain histories about what is included and how we write history and rewrite history and how we might have forgotten a certain type of history within both Australian context and in the context of a collection or a gallery. And so I think about it as collage. And so collage talks about multiple parts, multiple pieces that are overlapping bleeding into one another, but also sort of floating in a bit of an existence. And so there's humour within the work and it's sort of underlying a lot of what I'm doing. But then there are also kind of takes on really kind of serious issues, I think, too. Um, I want the work to kind of ask a lot of questions. I don't think that it should be finite. I think that it should really make you kind of wonder about the Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery collection and the gallery itself how it's changed and where it's moving, the challenges of artists and how they kind of create the work and why they've done it as well. I think that the work hopefully is sort of a bit of a key to opening up new conversations about why artists do what they do as well. When you were working in the public, the artist process is fully revealed. How do you find this aspect of doing a public project, such as the wall painting you did at the Art Gallery of New South Wales and also the project you're doing here in Mornington? I guess the process is really revealed and I guess what I like about it is that it demystifies the way that artists work. I'm not too worried if people see how I make what I make, but I really like their comments or their observations might actually challenge and therefore change how I move forward. And I think in a process like this, that's really important. This work, even though it's been made by me, it's almost like belongs to everybody as well because they are informing how it's being created. And I suppose... There's a bit of like performance anxiety that exists when you are doing something and people are watching, but I think it's kind of nice that they can see that sometimes you make a mistake, then therefore you kind of have to find a solution to fix it. I often think of my work as little hurdles that I have to jump over and kind of continue to jump over. I also think that processes are different and in different contexts they're different and I've approached this similarly to how I did at the art gallery but having a real kind of specific set of artworks to reflect on has really made me think about who those artists are, the time in which they made those works and how they sit alongside each other too in this new formula for them. 
So I think it's good to be working in front of people and for audiences perhaps that don't see a lot of the artist process or have never been into an artist studio to think about how things are made. Like you don't work consistently sometimes. Sometimes you're making something and then it's a lot of time just spent looking and thinking about the next step because, you know, importantly, I don't plan any of these works. They're kind of happening in the moment. So there are going to be a lot of times of trial and error. And I think that just makes it more exciting, challenging, but exciting. Finally, what advice would you give to artists just starting out? Good question, I suppose. I think that I would just say to make work about what's around you and what you're interested in. See as much art and go to lots of galleries, as many as you can, and start conversations with people who you think have similar interests. I think being connected to other artists is really important because you realise that what you're thinking about isn't so, or you're not so alienated in your thoughts with how you see an abstract world. I think connecting is really great, but also just like dedicate and spend as much time as you can making work and working through ideas and don't think that every single thing needs to lead to an exhibition or an outcome. It can purely be about sort of process and play and keep challenging those ideas too. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to episode five of our conversation series. Mornington Peninsula Regional Gallery is the region's major cultural facility and is supported by Mornington Peninsula Shire and other partners. Visit mprg.mornpen.vic.gov.au to find out about our latest exhibitions and events. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.